Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Nick, Dan, and myself cover all the match reviews from the latest Chelsea matches. We cover the team news and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you already for being an awesome listener. And you know what? Let's jump right in. And welcome back to a very special non-European midweek podcast from your boys at London's Blue. That is right. You know, I uh, I wasn't sure if we're going to pull this one off today. We're like, hey, do we pod? Do we not, Dan? But then all of a sudden, the final whistle blew. And I think, judging by the responses on Twitter, it's almost like we were called into action by people out there to review whatever it is you want to call it. Yeah, it was the Chelsea meltdown bat signal equivalent. Just popped up into the air mic, and we heated the call. Yeah, you know, actually, I, I'm here to talk about Chelsea women winning seven nothing over Yeovil Town and uh, advancing to the Conti Cup uh, quarterfinals. So there we go. There I, I we know go. Not that the is the right of. idea. That is the right <laughs> idea. I'm in. I'm all in for that. Uh, unfortunately, Nick is absolutely bombarded with work, which is completely understandable as it's a Wednesday. Uh, so in his place, rightfully so, David DPZ, our man from We Ain't Got No History, joining us back on the podcast. How's it going? It's going all right. Apparently, I'm not bombarded by work. No way. <laughs> Free, not unemployed, but still you here. S- you seem very poised and ready to, oh, to take yeah. this on. Sight. 
Awesome. I'm almost, I'm almost as ready as Chelsea in the second half. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. All right. Well, before we get into it, as always, we do have iTunes reviews. Dan, we've got three new friends. Yeah, we do. Two from outside the U.S., which is always a delight to us. We had uh, Jesper Farso from Denmark giving us some five-star love. Uh, John Cambo from Ireland, which was also another five-star shout. And then within the U.S., I don't know if it's in the you know contiguous 48 states or not. That's up for debate. But uh, FCBMD3 saying that he was loving our episodes and now is looking forward to the transfer window episodes. And maybe after this match... Aren't we all, question mark? Right. A whole nother thing coming. I mean, a month ago, you probably wouldn't be that excited for it. Now, all of a sudden, I feel like it's uh, a lot more of a, of a deal. So uh, a huge shout-out to, and I did not make this up, The Floppy Ostrich on Patreon. I don't know why we didn't get a name out of you. We just went with your alias but a huge thank you to you for joining as always you get first dibs on questions for our questions episodes and you will get some sweet perks and swag uh at nick play hitting us on twitter and just uh tagging all of us replying to us saying why can't we have nice things and i mean you know dave this is obviously directed towards you so i I guess i'll let you have the first stab at this Uh, i'm sorry nick isn't here but you know You'll have to make do with me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I think they were talking about the game, not, oh, not you individually. Oh, oh okay, okay. Whew. Thanks, Nick Play. Uh, why can't we have nice things? I, I don't know. It's because it's midweek and a Wednesday on a cold Wednesday night in the West Midlands. Uh, I don't know. It's, haven't we gotten used to this over the last few years? It's uh, This is what the team is. And uh, old, uh, old Maurizio Sarri is, is learning it slowly as well yeah i guess so mike any stab at why uh you know this season we just went from having only nice things to all of a sudden no nice things well i I think it comes down to you know it's better to be lucky than good uh i think we had a force field at times deflecting open goals from other teams away from our end and our luck ran out a little bit you know um maybe the ghost of chicharito we had another mexican striker once again you know, rise up and kick us in the ass. So, just not our day. I, I think the inverse element of that, though, is that we haven't had the luck in front of goal. So, I, I mean, you know, to that lose is all it luck, luck is a bad thing. Is it luck? Is it? <laughs> Wait, Dan, so you're telling me if you don't score goals, you're, you're not expecting to win matches? Yeah, that is factually accurate, yes, Michael. Okay. All right. All right. Well... Um, let's go ahead and before we run into the match review, uh, remind you guys that, uh, we are partnering with classic football shirts. So make sure to go head up them. London pod is the discount code, but also we are actually going to be doing a live podcast from their store in London, December 29th. For those of you that are going on the trip with us, what a perk this is for you guys, uh, for everyone else that lives in london or nearby and want to come you are all invited as well and for our lucky listeners not able to be there i'm just kidding we're better in person i promise uh we will record it and post it for you all to enjoy as well so anyways mark it on your calendars if you're there if you have questions about coming and visiting because you're from there or you're going to be in london at the same time get in contact email dm facebook twitter instagram all the normal ways to do that 
But let's go ahead and move on to the match review. It was Wolverhampton in the Premier League at the Molyneux Stadium. It was Wednesday, December 5th. 2018 mark your calendars ladies and gentlemen the day it all ended for chelsea wolves to chelsea one i <laughs> did we didn't even bother score predictions at this point because uh i i can only imagine there were zero score predictions that even had chelsea losing this one but dan run us through the lineup as it was a first midweek premier league match that sorry really had to take serious yeah, so you did see a little bit of rotation, uh, not between the sticks with Kepa staying in the starting position there. Rudiger, Alonso, Aspilicueta held down spots even after Alonso's last performance was suspect to the point of being substituted off. Christensen comes in, though, for Luis. Cesc Fabregas comes in for Jorginho, Conte, and Ruben Loftus-Cheek ahead of Kovacic, ahead of Barkley, um, make up the midfield three. And Hazard, William, and Alvaro Morata started as the three up top. The substitutes included Willie Caballero, Davide Zapacosta, David Luiz, Jorginho, Kovacic, Pedro, and Olivier Giroud, all of look, all of whom looked miserable on that bench um, throughout the entirety of the match. So... Yeah, um, I don't know which position it was potentially worse to be in on the bench or actually in the match, but uh, no one looked uh, on fire today, I think. Hmm. Anyone look on fire to you, David? Anyone look on fire? No. Uh, lots of Sheik did all right initially. I mean, I guess the whole team did all right in the first half. Uh, and then it all kind of fell apart. Uh, one interesting thing I read actually was that Loftus-Cheek made it almost uh, three years since his last uh, Chelsea Premier League start, April 2016. So wow. been a been a long time coming, and and he celebrated with a with a decent goal. So that was good. I'd say so. I mean, yeah. I mean, what what else can you really ask from the guy, Mike? Uh, crazy kind of a run for him. Obviously, we can pair this into the goals. 18th minute, Ruben Loftus-Cheek officially credited with the goal um assist ed nazard obviously a bigger assist to the wolves <laughs> defender um confidence i mean for him to take that shot to turn to the top of the box and just shoot it right away i mean he's got instincts right now going for goal yeah i, I think it's that younger generation you know they have the confidence millennials to, right Jeez. well you know they they know that you can't score goals unless you shoot they're not afraid what? to rip them and you know be it somebody get a rebound or you know cody has a beautiful header into his own net that's a know, sweet it, finish like down header textbook yeah it's kind of sad that wolves basically scored all the goals today but Eat your heart out, <laughs> phil jones oh. <laughs> yeah yeah so, it did no. remind me a little bit of uh, people criticize David Luiz a lot on the one goal against Spurs. But one of the, uh, at least one of the things I was always told when I was learning to play defense really badly was <laughs> if you're not 100% sure you're going to block a shot, like don't block it because you're just kind of going to deflect it in random places. So whatever Cody was trying to do there to go with his head was really, really bad uh, shot blocking, so to say. 100 percent true yeah right yeah it's a bit of a big deal i mean you, you deflect it especially as a goalkeeper so many bodies in the way uh absolutely left Rui patricio with no chance uh as mike mentioned wolves pretty much scored all the goals so moving on to the 59th minute raul jimenez 
assist Morgan Gibbs White's Dan I mean this was a big momentum change in the game Chelsea were comfortable at one nothing Wolves I mean they had been asking some questions but nothing crazy it almost just looked like they caught, caught us on a break and we had no answers yeah, smart pass forward uh, from the, the midfield of Wolves gets to, you know, on him and his feet, and he basically just slices right between the crack of Marcus Alonso and Andreas Christensen to, uh, you know, be right where he needs to, to plop it right underneath uh, the, the ball sack of Kepa Risablaga. <laughs> And it was uh, quite... I wonder his hand. It wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't Courtois. He was, he was uh, short-footed. Uh, um, yeah, but it was, not, uh, it was not a good look for Kepa. It was not a good look for Christensen. It wasn't a good look for, for really our... It, it was... Well, shout type. out for Fabregas for getting absolutely trounced by whoever Morgan Gibbs White is. Uh, Morgan Gibbs White looked great um, uh, yeah. this well, game. Who, doesn't, who didn't against old Sesk? <laughs> I love you, Cesc Fabregas. Uh, Playing more midfield. It, it, the only problem is he was making other teams' players look better instead of ours, which is oh, the inverse of what you want. See, see Brandon, where are you uh, not beating them up for hating on, on Cesc? It, why is it always me who you know who's notorious for... Because that's for, your uh, job, Mike, okay? Yeah. You have one yeah. job. You got to do it. You got to take the heat for it. Play 90 minutes. What are you guys complaining about? You got the participation uh, medal. No, Sesk is never supposed to play 90 minutes. I mean, look, if I wanted to watch a 30-plus-year-old run around in midfield and not do anything, I would just do that at, you know, pickup matches, you know? I'd watch myself be inadequate in the midfield. (laughs) It just – I think he has a job that he can do, but, I mean, we watched watched him struggle in a four-man midfield, and then we moved to a three-man midfield with him. And and what we saw was they just exploited it down the center and then kicked it out – you know, to the to the left wing or the right wing, and you know, had a field day on Alonso. It it really, I, you know, I just it changed the whole game to me. Hmm. All right. Well, the uh, single punch turned into double punch. Sixty third minute. Diogo Jota. Jota. I'm sure it's Spanish, so it's probably a soft J. Uh, Matt Doherty assist. Uh, at that soccer guy 17 tweeting out saying what on earth was Rudiger doing on the second goal he's got to have better awareness than that oh what up Mike that, I would have to say what the hell was the entire you know yeah. back five doing? okay because, deflecting no no, no no if, if you watch if you watch William throws his hands up and everyone stops you know Ruben had a chance to make a play on the ball and everyone I mean Dave's in front of Rudiger Rudiger's like on the plane yeah the let's right a shout out to Aspilicueta who was playing center back for some reason on, <laughs> yeah. at that point yeah which I have no idea how that happened the yeah. most infuriating thing to continue to watch this side do is to be aggrieved when they don't get a call that then leads to some type of uh, free kick for the opposition, some wonky <laughs> goal. And I, I need to go back or I need to find, you know, I'll pay someone to do this um, to go back and find the number of goals Chelsea have conceded because someone has thrown their hands up in the air and people start like looking in the other direction for the official to do what yeah. they should be doing potentially. Cause also, you know, caveat John Moss was horrible, but ultimately, you know, you do have to play the whistle. You have to play through 
into the situation and everybody looked like they just were like, okay, well, we should get a whistle here. And that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, we well, shouldn't have been dribbling. We shouldn't have been dribbling across the front at that point. Like, that was awful. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's and, the same. And, you know, John yeah. Moss got a lot wrong, but not that one. I'm sorry, but like he, he really like it. it wasn't a foul to me at all, and well, I think and, that and through the pace of the game, William. through the run of the game, William should not have expected anything, knowing how that game had been officiated up to that point. So I'm a little curious to the thought process behind that because that started this domino effect of awful decisions by well, the entire team I, but, but it's i feel like we got rope doped sorry <laughs> i think you, know, you need to finish that <laughs> we we got rope doped by the ref because if you watch the beginning of the game we were getting a ton of calls you know and he basically reached for that fourth yellow card and he's like you know what i've hit my you know my required amount of yellow cards <laughs> and i'm not reaching for my you know my my pocket again and and it was just like all of a sudden you know all of those fouls the cumulative fouls just kind of it was play on and he wasn't going to call anything again i think uh, yeah you know 18 fouls i i know people are ripping william but you know there were some very very heavy tackles uh on our players and i think you saw us wear down due to some of those fouls that really you know not much happened for it and it gave wolves a second chance there was an impressive amount of fouling, that's for sure. And what was interesting to me was uh, this was the fourth game for uh, Johnny Moss in Chelsea this season. And in the previous three games, he's given out a total of two yellow cards. So it was, if if they recall, you know, if there's an expectation of how he's going to call a game or what he's going to do, this was like completely opposite of what he has done with Chelsea up to this point. And then somewhere through the middle of the game, he switched again. So if there's one thing that's worse than a, the bad referee, it's just an inconsistent referee. And it's just within the game, there was no consistency on what he was calling, what he wasn't calling, what he was giving yellows for, what he wasn't giving yellows for. It was just, it was all over the place, as one would expect out of any referee, really, I guess. But uh, still yeah. doesn't excuse uh, Willian throwing his hands in the air. That said... 90% of the time, he probably gets that call by throwing his hands in the air. Uh, to me, the bigger issue was everybody stopped playing. You know, it's, okay, fine, William stops playing because he tries to tries to get win the foul, but no, no, everybody else should not be stopping just because William threw his hands in the air. Agreed. Right. And, and the problem for Moss is that you, you know you're having a bad day when both teams are yelling at you <laughs> every time. Because, well, he really about, the first, the foul on William was the pullback by the other guy, not Moutinho, because Moutinho stepping in front of him is not a foul. But correct. previously, William did get pulled back, and he maintained control, so that should have been a foul, but that was never going to get called. So exactly, it, 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 I thought, yeah. yeah, I thought there was a foul before that. Right. it wasn't yes. called. Right, yes. it goes back to inconsistencies way bad because I've actually been in matches where you will like talk to the opponent and be like, man this dude is bad and he's like yeah you almost like bond over it not today the inconsistency was a huge factor uh but look i think that wolves just won the physicality battle and that's what it came down to tonight 
but anyways, let's dig into some of the stuff. Specifically, want to talk about the fact that we saw a ton of rotation tonight. A lot of people had been asking for this. A lot of people have been, you know, saying they want to see Christensen. They want to see Loftus Cheek. Uh, well, you got that, but you also <laughs> got Fabregas on for Jorginho. <laughs> And it uh, kind Are of you not entertained, <laughs> right? You know, the, uh, so the question here is, was it worth it? But I mean, that's a hindsight is twenty twenty in that consideration. I think that Maurizio was definitely looking, you know, at the matches he had book shelved on each end. Obviously, you had Europa League last week, and we've had a lot of matches in a short amount of time. Probably felt like, especially heading into City, David, that rotation was essentially a must in this sense. I think that Ruben was probably earned. Um, Sesk was out of necessity. And Christensen is more of like, well, here's another chance. Show me what you can do. <laughs> and this is probably his best performance out of the lot he's had this season. I uh, only gave up the one goal. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty. it was pretty standard rotation if, if we ignore the fact that it was a Premier League game, right? Because we've had... Uh, the last couple of times we played midweek, he basically rotated the whole team, but that was because there were Europa League matches and there were basically dead rubber games already. Uh, earlier in the season, like when we played the first uh, Europa League game, maybe the first two, he only rotated maybe five or six players. So in that sense, it was pretty standard. And I mean, if, you know, the old cliche is if you can't beat Wolves with this team, then you know, it's, it, it's, what do you want? It's the team was good enough to, to, to beat a team who hadn't uh, won a game in six, was it six straight? They had one, one draw and five losses coming into this game. So, you know, it's, uh, just imagine, imagine the response if, uh, sorry, basically started the exact same team he started on Sunday. And then for people would be like, well, how are we going to play on Saturday now? You just basically gave it away. So, it's a lose lose if you lose as they say do you think so i mean i i I think he i think he got the tactics wrong i think you know whoa whoa whoa. he has the same tactics every time no i mean there's no plan b no no no, there's plan a plan a and then there's plan a yeah well rotationally speaking (laughs) in in my opinion um Uh if we were having this conversation about having a you know a shit game and we played like shit it should be after the city match uh i think that from uh you know, a top four battle. These three points were very, very important, especially having, you know, United and yeah, Arsenal it, play I each s- other. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying in terms of like game theory and, you know, like you want to maximize these three points as opposed yep. to the Saturday, which is yeah. probably zero points regardless of who you play. <laughs> but yeah. like just just in terms of the look and the optics of the situation, I think if he if he would have played full strength, you know, first choice this game and then rotated half the team for Saturday, people would have just lost, lost their shit completely. Uh, I yeah, agree. we just got to see, we got to see the opposite side of people like losing their collective, you know what, though. Um, again, yeah. I, I well, think you made the point, it was lose-lose either way. Right. You know, I think, in my mind, the individuals he chose to rotate, for the most part, made a lot of sense. You know, I think yeah. Christians is getting his opportunity, loft his cheek, as Brandon said, an earned opportunity. Um, you know, Murata coming in, William coming in. That that side yeah. on paper should have been good enough to complete this game fully. And Jorginho has, has had some you know less less impactful games lately, so him getting rotated out isn't that surprising either, really. 
Yeah, but then when you throw in Mark Sanchez in the form of Cesc Fabregas, it's just like, <laughs> I mean, we should really be calling it Jorginho Ball. I, I think because you're complimenting too, Mark Sanchez somehow, I don't, and uh, I don't know Mark if San- I appreciate it. I think I'm, I, think I'm a, I don't know. I apologize Dude, to Sass because he is who, no Mark Sanchez. He was Sanchez. the guy who butt fumbled. Come on, man. Like that's, <laughs> there's there's right. no level all of right. equivalency right. to a guy who's won. You know, Sesk has at least won stuff. Mark Sanchez is basically a you know joke to the point where he now plays for the Washington Redskins. There, there, like, is, the, there is a level below Fabregas right now. That's <laughs> that's worth something. If this, is that uh, Danny I think the, Drinkwater? The only, the only question really with the rotation is that Alonzo played. And if Alonzo had been rotated out for Emerson, I doubt there would have been as much inquest as to who played and who didn't or, play. Or the other one would have been Azpilicueta going to left back and then Zappacosta playing on the right-hand oh, side. Please spare me, Zappacosta. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying, rotationally, though, those are the two options, and it seemed like, True. at least in the last match, that's something that Sari was more comfortable doing, necessitated by the fact Alonso was having a really poor game, but he it seemed like he was more comfortable doing that. Even well, just it's because Emerson wasn't bats. on the bench, right? Yeah. I think Emerson, Emerson. I don't know what he's done or what hasn't done, but he clearly has not earned anybody's trust. Yeah. But uh, he doesn't even make the bench. He's earned mine, but that obviously doesn't matter <laughs> for anything. Uh-huh. Special but, uh, guest he, on the pod, Emerson. Yeah. <laughs> you, won't, you won't hear me calling for his name anymore for Alonzo because I already bought the Alonzo kit. I'm committed. So uh-huh. it is what it is. Speaking of Alonzo, uh, apparently he's not good at crossing. So at Chelsea Lone Army <laughs> tweeting that uh, in 2018-19, Alonzo is at 4 for 54, which is 7%. Aspi is 13 for 55, Solid. which is 23%. And then in comparison, Benjamin Mendy is at 28%, 10 for 35. Uh, Andrew Robertson is 6 for 36, 16%. Ben Davies, 4 of 18 for 22%. Sead Kalasinic for uh, four for four for fifteen for twenty six percent and Lucas Shaw eight for thirty four at twenty three percent. I can't read numbers tonight. I'm sorry, people. Either way, everyone is between is like in the twenties for percentages. And poor Marcos is down at seven percent. My only question is: Does that take into account if they win it versus our offender? I mean, no, it's a, 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 this is a terrible stat. You should right. not be reading this. <laughs> Well, you should be taken away from it all day, and that just. We should be taken away from it. As Marcus Lonzo has crossed almost twice as much as all these other people in the list. Why why are why are we crossing so much? (laughs) That that is a whole another can of worms that I don't. You you would imagine with what Sari has done that you should not need to be crossing the ball this much. And it's it's vertical tiki taka, not crossing tiki taka. Well, and and that also was the problem with the way that Sesk was playing. I think Nazar pointed out too that it was definitely distinctly different in a form. Oh yeah, he loves he loves those lob lobs. Those Man. long lobs, just he yeah. really, he, he really loves, you know, the badminton style of uh, <laughs> sh- shuttle cocking it to the other player. Well, when you have three towering players in Pedro, William, and uh, Hazard, I mean, why not just bomb it into the air? I mean, it's, Pe- Pedro's it's a mental giant for sure. <laughs> oh, God. Nothing better than a short guy header. So, anyways, it consists. The, the question is just over the the rotation. I think for a lot of us, the jury's still out on was it enough? Was it not too much? I mean, come on, we it is such a, a hard act to 
to really, I guess, a, a hard line to balance in that sense. You know, I like Mike say, oh, we got City. I mean, Matt White, WH on Twitter was saying, uh, you know, not not sure why we rested players for this game. This was an easier three points to win than Man City on Saturday. You take the points, always take the points. If we lose on Saturday, we fall out of the top four. We have a lot of work to do. Again, Game Theory idea is saying, you take the points in front of you. There's no way we're beating Man City at the weekend. Now we'll probably beat Man City just to really – throw Chelsea Twitter into a huge shit storm but you know hey one one match at a time right one loss at a time tonight so I don't know Dan do you want to get into this mentality DM that we got on Instagram um, set the stage for this a little bit on the team's mentality or or lack thereof yeah I'm, I'm gonna try you know we've been kind of uh, punchy so far so I'm gonna try to read it very calmly so that we can uh, bring everybody's emotional level down a little bit you know, more more NPR style. You know, so we'll also kind of have some maybe some smooth jazz in the background. Or, um, it's uh, I tits dot om. That's not what it says. Jeez. Commenting on Sari's words after the game about mentality is a reoccurring theme since Jose Mourinho wasn't uh, the coach. Well, he was actually a manager, but here or there. There seems to be a grit that has been lost, and we can't see out games like we used to. Is this down to a lack of quality leadership in the squad? It took Sari months to decide on a captain this year, Cahill. Unfortunately, due to the quality of center backs right now, he's not getting into the lineup, which means his leadership capabilities are diminished to the practice field. The only other passionate leaders I see on the pitch seem to be Luis and Jorginho, who didn't play today. There seems to be no one vocal getting up, getting on the players, picking players up, keeping the team focused on the end goal. Aspie tries, but doesn't seem to really have it click. When does the leadership and passion, and then it's cut off beyond that? I can't finish reading it. I'd like to point out that Gary Cahill used to cry on the pitch when we lost, so I'm not really sure he's the uh, passionate vocal leader we're all looking for, but go on. He's definitely emotional. He definitely has an oh, emotional yeah. okay, connection emotional. to the sport. Um, yes. he, he, wears his heart, he wears his heart on his sleeve. Yeah, I mean, he's also, you know, we'll do the FBI, you know, taking a bullet for the president type dive mm. to stop a goal. So, I mean, there's that Flexes as well. biceps. Yeah, I mean, although Giroud is giving him a run for his money in that regard. I, I think the larger part here and this idea, you know, kind of transitions into what Sari said after the match, where he talked about the fact that I think we played very well for 55 minutes. After the goal, it was an accident because we were in full control of the match. We were suddenly a different team. I don't know why. I'm really worried, not for the result, but the fact that we didn't respond to the first goal. If you had asked me the same question after 55 minutes, I would say I was happy. We lost everything. It can happen, but I don't think it. It was without reaction. And then followed up to say, I don't know. I think it's more important to talk about our attitude after the first goal. We were not the same team. It was not for me. I have to understand why. Only for a goal. We had to play 35 minutes after that. And this whole idea or concept of does this team have the resiliency to bounce back when the cards seem stacked against them, when they are looking down the barrel, can they make the determination, can they make the right move to go in and come in and kill the game? And I would say, at least right now, Mike, I don't necessarily know if that same level of leadership or kind of on-the-pitch determination is really present uh, in this exact moment. 
Yeah, you know, I always struggle with this, and I know Nick is always very much a rah-rah leadership, uh, and having played for a long time, there have been moments in which I've been inspired to, you know, run my ass off because of something people said, but I think most of the time, it's within the player to, you know, sometimes you just have a shitty performance, um, and, and, you know, getting lifted up is difficult, but I look at this as more of... Sorry doesn't have the pieces that he needs to run the machine that he wants. And what we're seeing is that he kind of cobbled together, you know, a makeshift vehicle. And we're kind of watching the wheels fall off a little bit. And, um, you know, it's it's really tough, you know, from a rotational, you know, aspect. We're looking at Cahill, a center back who's not playing. We're looking at Drinkwater, a midfielder who's not playing. Moses, who we don't even talk about anymore. So we're down to very few pieces. And I just... I, you know, I, you have to wonder if we had had a healthy Barkley, would that have changed things? Would, you know, like, would we have seen, you know, Ruben in the middle of the, the three midfield and Barkley to the left? I, I don't know. I just, I don't think we have the pieces that are needed to compete at the level of the other teams. And I think we're kind of seeing what I expected at the beginning of the season because we've been found out or it's just not as successful. I am – it's been interesting, David. So, Mauricio has talked a lot about attitude and mentality in the last few matches. I, I think that there was – I don't know. That, I mean, maybe it just wasn't an issue because we were winning, we were pressing teams, and we are getting you know good turnovers in, in their defensive third, and we were able to go at them. Um, but if this is like now the third or fourth match where he you know we've had poor results and he's talked about mentality – I mean, what is what is up for him to do to get this group to kind of turn it around? At a, do you, or I also think that the team's lost a lot of energy. I'm just trying to figure out what has changed from that that big 12 match unbeaten run. Well, I'm not really sure anything really changed that much other than the actual score lines. It's uh, it's undoubtedly we were getting a fair bit lucky to get a 12 match unbeaten run. Uh, put that together, you know, as uh, games like the Arsenal uh, win come to mind where they probably should have scored many, many more goals than the two that they got. And, uh, you know, I think after games, sorry, he used to, uh, he never really shied away from this. He always mentioned things like, uh, you know, we're, we need to work on the system. Uh, I distinctly remember him talking about one win where he specifically said it had nothing to do with tactics and everything to do with like individual quality of players. Uh, and now it's uh, the the real concerning part for me, and I know this isn't actually answering the mentality question, but the real concerning part is that the the system itself or how we're executing the system isn't doesn't seem to be improving at all. But now our results are kind of matching the the product and the quality on on the pitch. Uh, you know, what, what like today, say fifty five minutes of so, sort of sorry ball that we might have seen today, and then the rest of it just was kind of a whole lot of nothing. So it's uh, you know, it's I think it's 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 where the level that we've been expecting and the level that we've been told that this is our level. And now it's uh, now it's happening, and now we have to uh, to deal with it. You know, every time he's asked about Manchester City, he says they're on a whole different level. And when we were only two points behind them, it was kind of tough to uh, 
tough to understand that or, or tough to uh, believe it and not say that it's defeatist attitude or, or uh, uh, whatever. But here, here we are now. He's uh, what he's saying is coming true. Whether it's kind of like Mourinho calling us little horses a few years ago, and it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, and like why are you talking down your own players? But some of it, sometimes you just have to be realistic, and you have to understand where you are at and where you, uh, how far you have to go, and what you have to do to get there. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, we there's a couple of things that kind of go into that too. You know, we are fielding one of the older lineups in the Premier League. I think uh, a couple of them have been, you know, over. 28 and 28 and a half years on average age um i mean watford is you know the one single-handedly fielding the oldest lineup on the regular basis this season but you know we're up there as well um and we're kind of you know on, on we are now what our record says we were maybe in the beginning of the season we weren't because we outperformed and sorry did a little bit of a reverse script because when he took over napoli initially that's when the rough time started it was the first six or seven games where it was losses and draws and maybe a win versus it started off magically here and now we are kind of seeing the the struggle of potentially players who are you know so far along in their game the maybe the willingness to be coached or to execute the system is not what they want or then the question is like are well is it the fact that the Maybe the coach is not as effective, and I would say it's probably more of the former, given the fact you look at Barkley making some some level of improvement under Sari. You look at Ruben Loftus-Cheek continuing to uh, excel in his play style. So then the question becomes, well, if we have all these players who don't want to play the style, aren't going to commit to executing the game plan, uh, and are going to decide to lob balls versus keep it on the ground, keep it short, recycle, and move it forward. Now we're getting to the point of a little bit of a you know, conflicting ideas and mentality on the pitch that that's probably more unnerving and frightening as to how this plays out. It's uh, the, the mentality that we're showing is, is what we've shown for many, many years now as, it, as the previous comment mentioned you know jose used to talk about this all the time as well comparing it to his you know old old chelsea guard who were the the fighters and the the never say die and the, the complete determination um this those those sorts of qualities are almost uh seem a little archaic in the modern game i mean you look at all the other premier league teams who are who are these who are these teams that are out there with their supreme mentality and uh, you know fighting back from adversity and and all these all these qualities we're expecting out of uh, out of Chelsea, it's, you know this the the modern player what we're seeing is are people who are affected by confidence. They build a good performance on uh, after a good performance and they can snowball that into a title, or you get like the even seasons where it's bad performance after bad performance and you kind of just give up. And it's kind of, you don't perform to your 100%, you perform to your 90 or 80% and, and just call it a good day. As just just uh, the trend that we're seeing, you know, uh, Manchester City are steamrolling everybody. But a couple of years ago, they're exactly where Chelsea were. And really, what, what, what has changed? They've, they've learned confidence through their system, but 
if if they were in this situation, would we really expect them to 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 buckle down and you know the the Gabriel Jesuses and the Benjamin Mendes and the whoever is there, Bernardo Silva's are really gonna scrap and fight and and put put in that old Chelsea mentality to to get 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 you back into the the three points? I don't think so. Well, they just want to you know they'll just buy the the new players they need <laughs> until they get to you know where they're at now. Well, sure. I, I I do think that you make a really good point about kind of modern players, and I, I think we're seeing a couple things in my opinion. One, um, from a statistical point of view, you knew that we were going to lo- drop a match eventually, and I think the the draws that we had early on those killed us because you know had we picked up you know two points at West Ham and you know two points somewhere else we would not be in the position that we're at. So we were kind of on that weird, we were doing well, but we, you know, the, the went, you know, the unbeaten streak was great, but we weren't maximizing points. And you knew that when the bottom did fall out or when we started dropping real points, um, we were going to be in trouble because, you know, Spurs and Arsenal were catching up despite us not losing. Um, I do think from Dan's point about age, I think what we've seen from every other top six team, we're seeing in the modern game a lot of speed. And Chelsea is an older team. And we don't have, you know, to be honest, we don't have the speed uh, that I think that we match up against other squads. So I think, you know, you look at a Wolves and what are they going to have? They're going to have lesser talents, but they're going to have kids who are really fast. And that's going to make it tough on, you know, um, Alonzo, regardless of how tactically or clinical they are, they're still going to have loads of speed. So I think, you know, I think sorry has a plan. Um, but this is definitely not the defense that I think that he wants. Um, and, and overall, I think we're kind of showing that we're a mid table team when, uh, you know, a, you know, a certain Belgian is not on fire because, you know, from a, a statistical point of view, Conte's not scoring. Jorginho's not scoring. Kovacic has not scored. Um, you know, and our strikers aren't scoring. So unless our center backs, you know, were impotent uh, from set pieces, you know, we, we can have all the, the corners and everything else we want. We're not doing anything with it. So we're basically counting on, you know, uh, you know, Eden to score goals, maybe Alonzo, maybe one other person. And I think it's a lot easier for teams to, to handle or to mark those players to, to take us out of matches. Yeah, a, a good point would be is that we are closer right now to eighth place Manchester United than we are to first place Manchester City. Yeah. Um, on points. Yeah. Whatever. Boo. No one wants to hear that. <laughs> well, it's it's reality. So I mean, reality is supposed to be sobering. We're approaching like th- there yeah. are fixable <laughs> solutions to what we're seeing right now, and you know, that comes through you know continuing to train appropriately <laughs> to field the right lineup. Um, to integrate, you know, the appropriate players um, into the squad to buy smart on the transfer market and to acquire a director of football. Will all these things happen? Probably not. But there are there are sensible solutions you know, to getting this on back on the right track. And, and you know what that solution is with with City failing to, or, or going to be kicked out of the Champions League next year. When we finish fifth huh. this season, we'll be fine because. You know, it won't. <laughs> first place won't matter. You know, uh, we'll just win the Europa League. That's it. That's the easy way to get in. That, that should be our. <laughs> well, I mean, our, our other way to get in. It's just about expectations. I think uh, now that you know, it's it's pretty clear we're not going to challenge for the title. It was clear before, but now we can 
AB stopped talking about it. You know, he's asked about Manchester City in every press conference, which is absolutely ridiculous. You know, it's the target of the season is to finish top four as, you know, as lame as that is from a winning Chelsea winning perspective. Uh, finish top four and maybe win a cup. And now we can concentrate on that. And that's the level of the team. And we're, <laughs> despite the, the worst results recently, we're still on track to actually do that. Uh, and so that's that's what we need to concentrate on instead of instead of worrying about we're going to lose games. This is not going to be the last game that Chelsea loses this season. I know that might be shocking. Hold the press there. <laughs> my, <that's> <laughs> craziness. <laughs> you're, you're telling Click me that we're just going to we're just gonna have to deal with it. And the concerning part really is sorry saying we conceded and suddenly we lost the plot. So that part that part we saw with Conte a lot last season. That's why we ended up losing to. Teams like Burnley because we concede in bunches. We conceded one goal and suddenly it was conceded three goals. Yeah. Well, that's exactly kind of what happened today. Conceded one and three minutes later there was a second. So that's that's the sort of mentality or, or whatever that needs to happen in on the pitch in a game where you can't call timeouts. So it's it's up to the players to to solve that. Yeah, it's tough because this was really the perfect trap game if there was going to be one. You know, it's a sh- you know two days rest. Yeah. You know, yeah. shitty weather, cold, and then on top of it, you know, despite how bad Wolves have been, you know, they're only two matches in however six or eight that haven't been losses have been against Arsenal and United. So it tells you that this team, for whatever reason, yeah. can figure they out. They drew a, with City too earlier this exactly. season. Exactly. They exactly even more, even a better point. So they have a way to step up for what's their, you know their big matches, their Super Bowls of the season to, to pull out some results. So we kind of I, – I, I love what we do under sorry system, but I feel like sometimes we put ourselves asleep because we get this – you know, we're like, yeah, we're going to have 60%, 70% possession. That's great. But it's, it's kind of like, well, what happens when we don't have possession or what happens when we concede? And it's like we lull ourselves into this sense of security. And I think had, had Eden finished – that early cross from Conte, he he could have done so much better on that, and we go up two nothing. You know, twenty minutes or thirty minutes into the match, we're we're talking about a different team and and different mentalities that we're going to face from other squads. Because if they know that they can make it to the half one nothing, and it's just an open game, and that they'll just wait and try and catch us on the counter, especially you know at left back, I think they know that they can just pull it in. You know put eight to ten men behind the ball and just wait for us to kind of have our collective um so you gotta gotta finish your chances exactly uh, exactly it's really hard to win if you don't finish chances chelsea's expected goals for this match were (laughs) 1.36 and it was 0.86 um for for wolves so I mean, that's the difference there. They took their two and they made them above the expected, and we took our three shots on target and 17 total shots and produced a losing effort. Yeah. So, you know, we talk about a lot of issues, and I think we should maybe, Brandon, transition into the last question, which is kind of what people are wondering what happens in January. But it is very clear that our attackers do not score goals right now, and it is a problem. For you, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, the biggest problem. So mature. Everyone wants to go. 
Your mom says it's a problem. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they say, who should we sign? What positions are important? I mean, the striker, like, above and beyond, we're not scoring enough goals. Uh, You know, Nick in the text says, like, oh, well, Hazard's not on, this team's not on. I mean, I remember when Diego Costa would just take the ball and, and he would go score, essentially. And we don't have someone who can do that. Giroud is great hold up play. Uh, he even took a shot today, which was awesome with his feet. Um, but it's just not something you see a lot. And Marata is just another petulant performance from him. I bet he will do great, but it will be somewhere else. His time at Chelsea is yeah. just not clicked the way anyone could really have wanted. And I think that it would be best for all parties if we moved on. So we could all just agree that the striker is the position. My only question is, do you think the Marita is going to go do something in January, realistically? If we... If we look at this, he always said that he's not a checkbook manager. So if you take that out of the equation, you can try to bring Mishi back. You can try to promote Abraham. I don't know if those are great answers, realistically. I mean, David, if if assuming those are both viable and uh, you know available, do you think that one of those two would make a big difference? Uh, it was Mishi and who? Tammy Abraham. Oh, Tammy. Uh, oh, Tammy! No, no, I think <laughs> no, no. I don't. I don't mean it that way. I lo- I like Tammy Abraham, but recalling him is is logistically not possible at the moment because Aston Villa have uh, banked their entire season on him, and if we if we recall him, then we're screwing over uh, that team and our agreement. And there's something to be said for not going back on our word because we said we'd loan him there for a whole season just because he's doing well. And our strikers are doing badly. I don't think that's a good, good situation for anybody involved. Uh, so Michi, yeah, Michi is a is a theory because he's really not scoring either, but he's also not really playing that consistently in terms of starters minutes. Uh, you think that he is uh, a decent fit for for the what Sarri's trying to do, just because of his mobility and his his ball skills. Uh, we that we see that we saw a few times under Conte, but never got utilized because he didn't fit Conte's system. You would think he'd fit Sarri's system, but here we are with Morata and Giroud instead. Uh, I, it's it's tough. I don't I don't I don't really expect us to do anything in January, but that's kind of my default position for position for any January transfer window. Uh, I think Morata will be sold, but not in January. I think his time is up at the end of this season. Uh, Sorry's comment before today's game was pretty telling. Him talking about a player he had at one of his other teams that was also, you know, mentally fragile, which is a second time now he's specifically called Morata mentally fragile. And he's just, uh, if Sorry's here beyond this season, he's, he, you know, he, he's not going to deal with this nonsense anymore. Uh, I don't know. I think the solution might be a bit more internal and we might try something more along the lines of what Napoli ended up doing after uh, Higuain left them and uh, playing, you know, Hazard as a center forward or Pedro as the as the Dries Mertens sort of pseudo striker and actually buy completely into into sorry system where we're we are doing the movement and the passing and, and breaking the lines instead of going out wide every time, trying to create an overload on either left or right and then swinging in the cross for Morata or Giroud to attack or whatever, which is which is fairly pedestrian. Uh, 
is in what sorry ball could be. Uh, so I think that's that's more of a, a likely solution. Uh, sorry, actually making a, the slight tweak to the system where he drops both of these these lumps and uh, keeps them in reserve. Maybe if we if we grow desperate towards the end and do the do the Mourinho style of looking for a late goal and just put on a big body and lump it in and see what happens. Big bodies. Get the center backs up there. Get everyone yeah, up exactly. there. Let's do this. Get all, get all Robert Huth. He's a free agent. <laughs> oh, man. He can put him up there if we need a late goal, you know? Yeah. Don't tease. Don't tease. Oh, all right. Well, I, look, I mean, at the end of the day, I think this is a super frustrating match for everyone watching when we even had uh, yeah, RCVM Newland saying, uh, I might have thrown shit at my TV screen had I watched. Um, didn't even watch and they were that frustrated, which is quite crazy. So I think that, you know, wrapping up, it's just, it, it's a tough one, tough pill to swallow. I think Mike, you summed up pretty well saying it was the perfect trap match and it ended up being just that. Dan even quit on his man of the match duties because it was so <gasps> poor. Any defense? No, I mean, it was, it was, I mean, you know, someone though did point out uh, at Greg R. Gardner saying that RLC is the clear winner here and he got the goal. So I would agree with that assessment. Um, he wanted a reverse man of the match poll, which I'm not going to do. You know, we, we knew it was a bad day. Um, maybe what I'll do next time is I'll just do it as a man of the match poll, but then like fill in like characters from a particular comic or a TV show and then like do that way. <laughs> Um, because I am a troll. Yeah. Truth. Speak it. All right. Well, uh, to wrap this one up, I just want to ask the question from Thomas at Hilde underscore T7 saying, would you take this loss or would you take it easier in exchange for beating City? Silliness, but I'm going to ask. Mike. No, you know, I'm not. Could you I'm, sleep better tonight if you knew we were going to beat City? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, but I mean that's that's crap question. It, it's one of those things where I, I'm, I'm <laughs> you not put it in the script. I'm not going on. I know, but it's that. Let me go on the record for you know Chelsea Twitter for me to say I would. I want to see the club lose. I mean, I don't know. I, Wouldn't you always sleep better if you knew that we're gonna beat City? Yeah, I mean, it would be great. I would love to What's see this us. result got to do with it. I, I still, you know, not not to loop back, but I actually expect us to spend heavily or at least for a few players in the winter. I think that we're with what we're seeing that it's not working. I think sorry is basically saying like, Hey, look, your dream of champions league is slipping away. You better give me one or two or three players. And, you know, there's always the miracle in Milan because our boy Bakayoko is supposedly playing amazing. <laughs> the miracle in Milan. <laughs> They're going to buy him before we get to recall him. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, there's always that. So how about this, Dan? We have a tweet from at Dan Silva 73. It's not to us, just in general. He tweeted this. It says, winning football is better than sexy football. Yeah, yes, that that is true. Uh, it was nice to win two trophies with Antonio Conte, even though there was uh, elements of, quote, suffering, unquote, um, that went along with it. You know, I, I think, Mike, to your point, um, Chelsea don't change the players first. They usually make another change uh if they do want to make that movement so uh before you know i don't think he's going to go to the board saying well i need more players to make it so you guys can be top four like he owns part of that piece and so you know ultimately 
um, he, with his players, has to figure out what he needs to do. And look, I, I like the idea of what David suggested of putting Ed in potentially in that center forward role, you know, putting Pedro on the right. And then maybe we can even say William on the better left or even a Callan Hudson Adoy. Uh, I would feel more comfortable and confident with that lineup scoring goals um, as long as Ed and Hazard um, can remove himself from the continual fog of Real Madrid and injury and actually start scoring some goals again. So, PZ, to you, Dan Levine tweeting, ah, that fine, fine line between Sari Ball and Scolari Ball. <laughs> I was waiting for somebody to make the comparison. Um, yeah, I mean, we've had uh, two idealistic managers in the last uh, 15 years. One was Scolari, and the other one was old Andre Villas Bos. And we all know both uh, how both ended up not seeing the spring. So, uh, yeah, I think Sari's got his his work cut out for him. You know, it's it's all fine and dandy to be to be wedded to your uh, to to your system and and all <laughs> everybody praise it left and right. Uh, one of our friends, uh, we ain't got no history, is a French uh, writer uh, analyst called Seb- Sebastian. I don't know how to speak French, so I'm just going to call him Sebastian. Chapuis, you may follow him on Twitter or read his couple articles on the blog, but I like that uh, one of his tweets was, uh, no wonder all the opposing managers praise Sorry Ball because it's very easy to play against. It's not necessarily easy to beat, but uh, you know how, to, how you have to play against it. And uh, the opposing teams are starting to figure out, so now it's... Uh, it's up to Sari to uh, either make us better at it or or figure out a way to, uh, to to tweak the system so that it's not so easy to beat. Well, we're going to have to figure something out because as it stands, Chelsea uh, down in fourth place, Tottenham jumping up to third, Arsenal dropping to fifth. We've only got a goal differential lead over Arsenal right now. We're two points behind Spurs eight points behind Liverpool, and now 10 points behind City in first place. Next match, big one, it's City. And obviously, we don't pick up points. You're assuming Arsenal are going to beat Huddersfield and Spurs. Who knows what they'll do against Leicester. But either way, we've got the, well, I mean, the hardest match of the weekend. Fifth City. place, here we come. Ah, that is what is at stake, unfortunately. So anyways, that will wrap us up for this midweek special pod. Wish we could come to you under better circumstances, but it is what it is. We're not here to shy away from Chelsea losses. We just hope that this is the last one. David promised it. Anyways, David, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Go check out We Ain't Got No History if you haven't. Um, We post our podcast there. We essentially started there, so... Uh, David and us go back a long, long time. Thank you. Give <laughs> Some them a shout history. out. What's your guys? Yeah, a little bit of history. What's your guys' social handles? Uh, it's W A G N H underscore C F C on Twitter, and I think that's all. Social. Well, find us on Facebook if you're into Facebook. If you're old enough, <laughs> you pass the age gate. <laughs> yeah, if you're over forty and you're doing Facebook, come find us on Facebook. <laughs> Love it. Or uh, All right. Twitter. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, tweet at Nick. Tell him you missed him, but genuinely smashed with work. Mike, Dan, is always a huge thank you. But that'll wrap us up. We will be back at the weekend looking at recording with Naz uh, from Goal.com on Sunday mm, post-city. 
So <laughs> no, no, lateral movement. Don't even worry about that. No, no, it, it's, it's it's because he's a Manchurian. So we just figure it's uh, from Manchester. Manchester shout out City. to Man. Yeah. Mancunian. Mancunian. Anyways, uh, <laughs> David, it'll be good to see you in London here in a few weeks. Everyone else That's started right. rambling. We're going to wrap this one up. Uh, catch you at the next weekend, I guess, after the next match on Monday. All right, Chelsea fans, until no, next we'll, time you need to do. We'll see We'll what? see David We'll see David in London. I said yeah, he, that. He said that. And this Just is where it all falls apart, right, as I try to You are to clipping it. like mad, FYI. <laughs> That's fair. I'm recording locally. Anyways, fans, until next time, <laughs> you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.